On the block, on demand. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Oh, it's Friday. We're going into the weekend in style. Stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. I look funny. But yo, I'm making money, see? So yo, world, I hope you're ready for me. Great to have you here. I'm the new fool in town. On the block, ESPN Radio. I drink a bottle of Hennessy you got on your shelf. So just let me introduce myself. My name is Humpty. My name is Brent Dax. I am not Humpty. I'll be your host for the next hour. So great to have you here. Uh, listen, if you missed any shows during the week or just want to catch up on, say, Orange Nation, Sportzilla, whatever the case may be, that's why we have a podcast for you. you go to iTunes, subscribe to ESPN Syracuse. You can listen whenever you want. If you're watching on twitch.tv slash Talk, we certainly appreciate that. You can do that live or you can watch uh, archived versions of any of the shows. You know what else you can get? Quality programming and original programming on Twitch. Just get on twitch.tv slash Talk for another series. Season 2 of Orange Stories. You can hear from NFL Red Zone host and former Syracuse football player Scott Hansen, Syracuse assistant basketball coach Alan Griffin, former Syracuse basketball center and 18-year NBA vet Danny Shays, former Syracuse defensive back Julian Wiggum. And how about this? A special episode with New York Yankees great CC Sabathia. Seth was taping that right before this show today. I'm not a Yankees fan, but I'm a fan of him for sure. All episodes will be available on demand starting Monday on twitch.tv slash Talk. Just another great reason why you should be tuning in to this show or many other things here on twitch.tv slash Talk. Great stuff there. Seth's been working hard on it, and you will see that. It's it's kind of like a like a video podcast. It's They're very uh, wide-ranging conversations, loose conversations, a lot of good stories that Seth gets out of uh, those guests. Time to just kind of kick back, relax and uh, tell stories. I've been a guest on Orange Stories, told some old radio stories on that, and had a lot of fun. So uh, tune in. And the great thing is you, you can pull it up whenever you want at twitch.tv slash Talk. So we're going to get back into Syracuse hoops here, the NFL Blitz, the blind side. But uh, Syracuse Athletic Director John Wildhack had kind of an end-of-the-year Zoom today with local media, and certainly one of the big things on his mind. Now, John did speak with Nate Mink, Reiterated, uh, we're going to play the comment back for you here shortly about Dino's status, Dino Babers, for 2021. He's the coach. He hopes he's the coach for a long time. Any discussion about this being a hot seat year or any other of those fancy terms we like to use in media, as uh, John said today, you can uh, shove that where the sun don't shine. He didn't say that. Those are my words. But he was very emphatic about the thought that Dino is on the hot seat. First of all, this, you know, the proverbial hot seat, just take that and just delete it, okay? Dino's going to be our coach in 2021. I hope he's our coach for a long time. He knows that. I want him to be. The university does. So he's not, he doesn't enter 2021 in any kind of hot seat or anything like that. It's all about what we can do to get better in 2021, how we develop this team, incredibly young team, as you all saw. Uh, and how we develop them for 2021. I think the offseason is going to be incredibly, incredibly important. If we can get them through a traditional year of strength and conditioning, if we can get through spring football, last year we had three of 15 practices, that's it. 
we need time to uh, develop, develop this team. Uh, but I'm supportive of, of Coach Babers, and um, you know, I have no regrets in terms of uh, the decision that, uh, that I made two years ago. To steal a phrase from Star Wars, because Star Wars is always on my mind in some way, shape, or form, particularly after that unbelievable episode of The Mandalorian, which I will not spoil for you, but I will say watch as soon as possible if you haven't, because you want to avoid spoilers, and make sure you stay after the credits. This is the way. But to steal a phrase from Star Wars... Dino Babers is not on the hot seat from a certain point of view. But you told me Vader betrayed and killed my father. So what I told you was true from a certain point of view. Sorry, I'm getting back into Star Wars mode here. But look, John makes the call. He makes the decision. He's the athletic director. Dino may not be on the hot seat from his point of view, but from a lot of other point of views, he is. Four of five losing seasons coming off a one in ten season. It's going to turn the heat up. John is fair to point out everything he said there. We need to point out those things about the injuries and the weird situation they went through in 2020, the number of young players on the field. Calculate it all. Dino's not on a traditional hot seat. There's a little bit more room there for a number of reasons stated there, but Wild Hack doesn't really get to make that call. He says, oh, just delete that. From his point of view, maybe, and his is the most important point of view, so... That carries weight, don't get me wrong. That's a big sign of support publicly from your athletic director. And I get why he's doing it, but from a fan, media, and other angles standpoint, he is on the hot seat. And I don't say that rooting for him to be on the hot seat. That's just the reality of it. I've stated it a number of times, and we'll state it again now, just so we're clear here. I hope he gets off it. I hope Dino is the coach here for a long time. I like Dino. I like how he coaches his football team. Thanks, Brent. You're welcome, Coach. I like a lot of things about Dino. He's a dude. He, he watches, I'm sure we'd be talking about the Mandalorian today if we had him on the show. He watches Game of Thrones. He's a football coach, but he, he's into pop culture and by all accounts is just a great guy, runs his program the right way. I mean, I'm not going to give you the resume you know. So I'm rooting for him to get off the hot seat, but it doesn't mean he's not there. You can't let your personal feelings about somebody cloud your judgment of them when you sit in the seat that I do. And sitting in the seat that I do, the guy's lost four of his five seasons. He has a losing record as a coach, and they went 1-10 and last year, yes, with all the circumstances they did. So it's a little disingenuous to say, oh, no, he's fine. No, he's not. John Wildhack, to his credit, then followed that up to say, well, all this potential, all these things that we saw, all the flashes has to be turned into reality. So this is a way of saying, to not steal a phrase from Star Wars, this time from Ghostbusters, I've worked in the private sector. They expect results. I think the key, I think the key word is development, right? Because we've, we've shown that we've got a number of young players on offense and defense. Um, you know, that, that, that played and played and played quite well. And when you start six freshmen against the number two team in the country, um, you know, that's, you know, that that's daunting to say the least. Um, and then you look at, again, on offense and, you know, Sean Tucker, freshman running back. So, so to me, it's all about development. How do we get them in the strength and conditioning program, get them bigger, get them stronger, right? 
How do we develop their how do we develop their football skills, their freshmen and the sophomores? The good the good news is they don't lose a year. In a sense, they come back as redshirt freshmen. They still have four years. Um, and just, you know, developing in terms of the mental aspects of the game as well as the physical aspects of the game. And, and we know areas that we need to work on. You know, our, we struggled mightily on offense. That's no secret. So, all right, we've got, we've got to fix that. We've got to be able to run the ball better. Dino has said that. We've got to be able to stop the run better. We, the last half of the year, we showed, uh, I think, significant progress in that area. And we've got to be able to throw it more consistently. So it's, it's I don't think there's, you know, there's no secrets in terms of where we need to improve upon. But I think the key word, and I think it's really critical for the staff is, is the development of these young players. Because we, we need to turn the, the, the potentials there. We need to turn that potential into reality. And see, that's pressure. That's hot seat. That defines hot seat because you had to put a lot of freshmen and sophomores on the field out of necessity last year because you had nobody else. Now you have to do it by choice. Who of this incoming class, a Josh Huff and a Rondé Gatson, an Enrique Cruz, or maybe a name or two I'm not mentioning here, can contribute right away they have to be considered to do that development and all these things are great and they look garrett williams sean tucker go through the young players on this team that stepped on the field and made an instant impact and in tucker's case he was supposed to be the fifth running back on this team so the staff has certainly proven they can do it but as john said there potential has to turn into reality and it has to turn into reality in 2021 what that line is is a moving target at this point all right, with hoops coming up this weekend, to change gears there. My question for tomorrow is where is the middle? Are we looking to the middle ground here? Because the last two games have been extremes for Syracuse basketball. 101 points, 16 three-pointers against BC. 62 points, two three-pointers against Northeastern. The good news in that is they won both of those games. Had to shuffle the way they played those games and they had to persevere that is a good trait for a team that they can be versatile they can adjust in one game you're hitting all the three-pointers in the world Alan Griffin scores 22 points in the next game you can't hit water if you fell out of a boat you couldn't donate to the red kettle if you were a foot away from it and you went two of 18 from three-point range so are you versatile enough as a team that you can lean on other things and right now, the answer to that is yes. It might not be pretty. It might not be what you think it is. And I think what, and I would never tell you what to do or what to say. I'm not here to do that. But what I would discourage you from doing is going into these games with a mindset of sorts. I think half the problem with fans these days is they go into certain games with this expectation, and maybe the point spread is a factor in this. Well, Syracuse should win. By this many points, they're 17-point favorites. They should win by 17 points. That doesn't mean anything. That's a, a, a line that is set by people in the desert, as Brent Musburger would say, right? Because they want to tilt the money line to go one way or the other. It doesn't mean that Syracuse is 17 points better than Northern or fill-in-the-blank opponent. I don't get why margin of victory is a factor as to, well, Syracuse should beat these teams by fill-in-the-blank points. Now, it's not to say every game in non-conference should be as tight and as much of a grinder as Northeastern. If those things become patterns, I see what you're saying there. But half of the emails I get, 
half of the complaints I get on Twitter are just that. Folks, get that out of your head. There are so many more better teams in college basketball. The talent distribution that's out there, just because, you know, back in 1992, Sherman Douglas and company, I know you graduated by then, but you know what I mean. Back in the 80s and 90s, Syracuse was winning games by 40, 50 points, which they've certainly done in recent times too, but you got to adjust with the times. So if you get out of that mentality, and I'm not saying it's just stone-cold wins and losses no matter what. I get there's certain things that have to be built into the conversation, again, trying to find the proverbial middle ground here. But stop stressing over that. I got that out of my head a while ago because I fell in that trap, and I used to write that and say that. Well, you're Syracuse. You should beat this team by this many points. I think you got to get out of that mind frame, especially early in a pandemic season when, you know, the circumstances of this year are truly different than any other. You're bringing an old mentality to current day. You have to adjust for the times, what this team is, what their practice schedule has been, the the COVID pauses they've had. There's a lot of things you got to factor in. And if you do that and you still come away with, well, they should win by 20 points, then sports is just not designed that way, right? Again, point spreads throw everybody off here. Vegas wants your money. That's why the point spreads are made the way that they are. They don't necessarily believe that this team is this many points better than that team. They want to tilt the line. They want your money, and they want as much money from you as possible. So they tilt it 50-50. Keep that in mind. You're going to get a lot less stressed out about, well, you must win by this many points to prove you are worthy. What I've seen in the last two games is a team that took advantage of, let's say, lax defense from Boston College, got into a grinder against Northeastern, found a way to do that. Are they going to continue to find ways to win? I'm as curious as anybody to see that. Last year, they fell into a pothole there and lost a lot of non-conference games and had to fight their way out of that. And had there been an NCAA tournament, maybe they would have participated in it. They were starting to really show some things, particularly against North Carolina in the ACC tournament. This team is better. This team is deeper. This team is a little bit more versatile. Has gotten a new energy from from Kadari Richmond, from Woody Newton. Alan Griffin essentially took Elijah Hughes' place. But the new additions, in addition, not in addition, I shouldn't say that. The new additions in partner with the players all coming back from last year, Joe and Buddy and Quincy and Marek particularly. They're just starting to get this going here, but it is a condensed period of time. This is your last real non-conference game here. They have Georgetown coming up, but I don't file that under non-conference. I file that under like special category, rivalry category. Technically, it is a non-conference game. When I think of non-conference games, I think of the game Syracuse has just played. Northeastern, Niagara, Ryder, Buffalo. Those are non-conference games. I still can't <laughs> I, I can't formulate a sentence that Syracuse and Georgetown play non-conference basketball. I'm too old school for that. I'm too I got too much Big East in my blood to say that that's a non-conference game. I put it in its own special category. So to me, tomorrow is your last non-conference. Then it's all ACC play with an old-school Georgetown rivalry mixed in there. So this is a weird schedule on that front, but what is the middle ground they need to find tomorrow? And then when ACC play comes, 
I don't want to hear a darn thing about margin of victory. If you're one of these fans, that sounds harsh. I don't want that to sound... You people! I don't want that to sound harsh. I'm not trying to lecture here. But I don't understand how you could go into any conference game with the expectation of if they don't win by this many points, then I'm disappointed. That, that to me, I'll just leave it to the coach. That's just dumb. Dumb. Yeah. And I agree. And on that note, we will break. Everything you need to know about Week 15 in the National Football League, particularly from, speaking of gambling, Uncle Brent is here to help you with that and navigate through that as best as you can. Uncle Brent says don't bet on sports, but I know you people are going to do it anyway, so we're going to help you with Week 15. The NFL Blitz, the blind set on the way. You stay right there. You're on the block ESPN Radio, twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back here on the block, ESPN Radio, twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. Hey, we want to help out a family this holiday season. And in order for us to help out a, a family this holiday season, we need you to help us. We've only got a couple more days for you to nominate a family that you feel deserves a terrific package from your friends here at ESPN Syracuse. So here's what you need to do. Go to our Facebook page, ESPN Syracuse. Find it on Facebook. Send us a message there. Nominating a family you feel needs a little help this holiday season, and Santa's little helpers will step in, including a $200 gift card, from Walmart, a $200 gift card from Petco. Your neighborhood Petco is a one-stop shop for all your pets needs this holiday season and beyond. A gift card from Colella located in the Marriott Syracuse downtown terrific gallery there. SU gear for the whole family from University Sports Shop. A gift card from Ashodi's Meatballs. A gift card for groceries thanks to You Pull, You Save Auto Parts. A dozen bagels from Bagelicious. That's just a terrific holiday package there would give a family in need a real boost during the holiday season. If you know somebody out there that could use our help, this is the time of giving. It's it's really to think about others, especially in this year where we've all kind of taken a real kick in the butt. Uh, let's help somebody out this holiday season. And the way you can do that is go to our Facebook page, ESPN Syracuse. Send us a message nominating a family, and Santa's little helpers will step in. We're going to step in now and tell you everything you need to know about week 15 in the National Football League. Now, Uncle Brent's a little upset that this game's going to be played during the Syracuse-Buffalo game tomorrow, but we'll deal with it. Buffalo at Denver, the Bills minus six, the over-under is 49. The Broncos have been decimated in their secondary after losing five cornerbacks, four to injury, one to suspension. Denver has just three available on the roster. You think Josh Allen's licking his chops a little bit here? The Bills have the number three passing offense in the league. And Allen has six 300-yard games this season and two 400-yard games is 89.2 total QBR. When facing a blitz, is fifth this season in the National Football League. Now, the Bills can clinch the division with a victory or a Dolphins loss, but they can also clinch a playoff berth. With a Ravens loss, the Broncos are eliminated with a loss, a Dolphins win, or a Ravens win. They're not going to make the postseason, and I think Buffalo puts them out of their misery this weekend. The Bills have covered in each of their last five games. Carolina's at Green Bay with 
The Packers minus nine, the over-under at 51 and a half. According to Elias, if the Packers win, Matt LaFleur would be just the sixth head coach to win at least 24 of his first 30 games. Aaron Rodgers, nine games with at least three touchdowns and zero interceptions this season. That is the most in a season in NFL history. And he's currently on a three-game win streak with those numbers. Green Bay is 4-0 against the spread in primetime games this season. They're playing Saturday night this week. Carolina, meanwhile, is 4-12 against the spread in primetime games since 2014. Tampa Bay is at Atlanta. The Bucks minus 6. 49.5 is the over-under. It all comes down to pressure with Tom Brady. He's been sacked five times and pressured on 13% of dropbacks while completing 44% of passes over 20 yards. Now, in losses, Brady's been pressured and he has struggled with the deep ball. Five losses this year, he's been sacked 11 times, pressured 27% of dropbacks, and completed just 21% of his passes 20 yards down the field. Atlanta, meanwhile, they are 1-4 against the spread against teams with winning records this season. Seattle's at Washington. The Seahawks minus 5.5 on the road. The over-under is 44.5. The Washington football team ranks third in sacks per pass attempt. The Seahawks are first in that category since week 8 of this season. Washington loves to play zone. That's wise against D.K. Metcalf and Russell Wilson. Those two have combined for three plays of 50 yards or longer. Washington has allowed an NFL-high seven uh, such receptions this season. Now, over the past four weeks, Washington's defensive line leads the NFL, 58 quarterback pressures, and the second-highest pass rush win rate in the NFL, and the Washington football team has covered in four consecutive games. All of those wins, by the way, New England at Miami, the Fish minus one, the over-under 41.5, Patriots are the NFL's fifth-best rushing offense at this point, just under 150 yards per game. Miami's rushing defense is allowing 120 yards per game. That's 22nd in the NFL. Cam Newton has had a season-high 15 rushing attempts in that Week 1 meeting with Miami. He has scored 25 fantasy points in that game. He's reached that mark just once since Week 1 the first time Miami has been favored over New England since 2013 and the first time Miami's been favored by more than a point over New England since 2003. Houston's at Indy the Colts are minus 7, the over under is 50 and a half in this matchup. Now the winner stays in the playoff, or I'm sorry I jumped ahead here, the Colts shut out when it came to sacks against the Raiders in week 14 but Houston quarterbacks sacked seven times by the Bears last weekend. And Indianapolis sacked Deshaun Watson five times when these two teams met just a couple weeks ago. The Colts are 8-2 and two against the spread in their last 10 as a favorite. Chicago at Minnesota. Minnesota's minus three of the over-under. 47 in this matchup. The winner of this game stays in the playoff hunt. The loser has no better than a 5% chance of reaching the postseason. All eyes on Dan Bailey. We rarely talk about kickers here during the NFL Blitz, but Dan Bailey missed three field goals and an extra point. He is going to play. He'll be out there. But if the Bears can shake him up a little bit, that could be huge for their chances in this game. Dalvin Cook has 14 rushing touchdowns this season. 
That's the second most in a single season in Vikings history next to Adrian Peterson's 18 in 2009. But he's averaged just under three yards per rush in four career games against Chicago. The Bears are 1-4 and four against the spread in its past five games. Jacksonville at Baltimore. The Ravens minus 13. Give you that stat earlier. Baltimore is 39-0 outright as a double-digit favorite in the regular season. They're the only team to never lose in that spot. Doesn't mean they'll cover. 39-0 outright, though, as a double-digit favorite. Baltimore leads the NFL in rushing, and they have produced over 200 yards on the ground in back-to-back games. Jacksonville, they've allowed the third-most rushing yards this season, over 145 yards per game. They gave up 250 to Derrick Henry and the Titans last weekend. Speaking of the Titans, they host Detroit this week with Tennessee sitting minus 11. The over-under is 51.5 in this matchup. Tennessee is going to try and take advantage of a Detroit-run defense that allows 132 yards per game. Derrick Henry licking his chops here as the Lions have allowed 21 rushing touchdowns. That's tied for the most in the NFL this season. Now, when Ryan Tannehill starts a game for Tennessee, the over 18-4-1, that is including a 9-3-1 mark this season. San Francisco at Dallas. Boy, the hair used to stand up on the back of your neck back in the day. We talked about this matchup. Not so much this year. Two teams with losing records. The Niners are minus three. The over-under is 45. Since the start of the 2018 season, Dallas is 4-0 against the spread at home. As an underdog, something to keep in mind there, San Francisco quarterback Nick Mullins has thrown seven picks since week eight. Only Drew Locke of Denver and Matt Ryan have more in the NFL over that span. The Jets visit the Rams, and L.A. is a 17.5-point favorite. The over-under sits at 43.5. That Jets defense allowing 286 passing yards per game. That is 31st in the National Football League. The Rams lead the NFL in total defense, just 285 yards per game, while the Jets are last in total offense. Keep this in mind, though. Eight of the past 10 Rams games have gone under, and the under is 43-and-a-half. Philly at Arizona. The Cardinals minus seven with the over-under at 49-and-a-half. The Cardinals come into this weekend with a 56% chance of making the playoffs. They have a 65% chance with a victory on Sunday, but if they lose to Philly, that drops to 25% at this point. Kyler Murray's 9-4 and four in his career. When he rushes for over 40 yards in a game, but he's 3-12 and 12 when he's held under that number. Arizona 3-6 and six against the spread as a favorite with Kyler Murray as their quarterback. Kansas City's at New Orleans game of the week for sure on paper in the National Football League. Kansas City is minus 3. The over-under is 51 and a half. Now, both of these teams are trying to lock down the number one seed in their respective conferences. you got the number one ranked offense, in Kansas City, meeting the Saints' number two ranked defense. Drew Brees is back, facing off with Patty Mahomes, who has thrown for at least 315 yards in six straight games. Tied with Drew Brees in 2012 and Rich Gannon in 2002 for the longest streak in NFL history in that department. According to Elias, Mahomes' 2,309 yards over his past six games is the most over any six game span in NFL history. There are quarterbacks that throw for that in an entire season. And he's done that in six straight games. 
Now, to clinch the AFC's number one seed and home field advantage throughout the playoffs, the Chiefs need a win, and they need losses by both Pittsburgh and Buffalo. The Saints can clinch the NFC South with a win or a Buccaneers loss. And Sunday night football, Cleveland at the New York football Giants. Cleveland's minus five, over-unders 44, coming off that incredible Monday night game against the Ravens. Horrible beat in that game. We had Cleveland plus three or plus three and a half. The Giants are 8-3 this season against the spread. As an underdog, the Browns enter this weekend with an 82% chance of making the postseason. They win. It becomes pretty much a lock at 95%. But if they lose, it dips to 68%. The Giants still fighting. They enter this game with a 24% chance of winning the division. A victory would certainly help, giving them a 41% chance. But that number goes into single digits with a loss. Cleveland has the third-ranked rushing defense at 156 yards per game. The Giants have the seventh-ranked rushing defense at 101 yards per game. Something to keep in mind with Nick Chubb. Whoever wins that matchup is going to win this football. That is the NFL Blitz Week 15. We'll come back. Go on the blind side. You stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.